Support for this podcast comes from Dynamic Air Quality Solutions. Since 1982, Dynamic has been the leader in designing, manufacturing, and distributing IAQ products to the commercial and residential markets through authorized HVAC contractors. Certain PATH members receive the exclusive value of the Clean Air Defense System private label to drive your brand in the market you serve. Our commitment starts with support. We provide you with world-class industry-leading technical and communications training, face-to-face and online. Become a Clean Air Defense System indoor air quality partner and dominate your market. Visit worldclassiaq.com for more information. Welcome to Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. As a reminder, all episodes of The Successful Contractor are available on YouTube, as well as your podcast player of choice. And for more information on how CertainPath can put your contracting company on a certain path to success, visit our website, www.mycertainpath.com. I'm excited to bring to you an interview with Joe Zimmerman, president of Summers and Zims in Atlin, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour west of Philadelphia. As you'll hear in the interview, one of the core values of Summers and Zims is good name. And I'm not sure there's a more good-natured person I've met in the contract. Joe's about as nice of a guy as you're going to meet. And it's no surprise he's been around, he's been able to surround himself with incredible people. Since Summers and Zims has become members of CertainPath in 2011, their success has exploded. Sales have increased from $2 million to more than $10 million in profits or But Joe is quick to point out it's his people who allowed the company to reach his success. But also because of the success, Joe's had many opportunities to sell Summerson. We all know the private equity fund that's out there. But he's pushed them all away. He's the third generation in his family. And the fourth generation is with him. He has four kids in the business, a brother who's in the business, and a nephew, all in the company today. And that is what he values most of all. Joe also values other contractors, even competitors. It's why he's hosting a profit day meeting June 6th, 7th, and 8th at his office. For non-certain path members, that's your chance, Profit Day, to visit Joe's impressive office, talk with him and his people, and spend a day learning about how to make more money with certain path and create the type of company you want to have exactly. If you're interested in, in seeing Joe's office and learning what Profit Day and Certain Path is all about, call 866-344-0789. to free to attend, and I promise you'll walk away with ideas on how to immediately become a better business. Okay, without further ado, here's my conversation with Joe Zimmerman, president of Summers and Zims in Eklund, Pennsylvania. I hope you enjoy your conversation. Take away. Joe, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's great to see your smiling face. Uh, for those that are watching or listening who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, could you share with everyone uh, your name, your company name, and where you guys are located? Sure. Uh, my name is Joe Zimmerman. Uh, the company is Summers and Zims, named after uh, both of my grandfathers. One was a Summers and one was a Zimmerman. And we're located about an hour west of Philadelphia, which sounds pretty metropolitan, but the, uh, we're kind of in the middle of the Amish country. The road I live on is not paved, so, but oh, in the same respect, we're still only an hour away from Philadelphia. Yeah, you got the perks of both, right? Yeah, serenity plus you're close to a nice major airport, so right. can't can't beat that at all. <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, we're talking for some for some great reasons. You guys have had a lot of success. I 
you know, for those watching, listening, before we did the podcast, I was the editor of a, a magazine we had in the organization for 15 years. And I, I can't believe it's, I think, been 10 years since you and I sat down, well, hmm. sat down over the phone, at least, for a feature in that. And let's see, what, in 2011, you guys were how big back then? Maybe three or four million dollars? Yeah, I just said two or three. So, yep, somewhere in there. Two or three million dollars. And then before I hit record, you said, what What are you planning on doing uh this year, well, what'd you do last year, and looking forward to this year? Yeah, we were we were nine and a half last year, and probably something like ten and a half this year. That's fantastic. That's yeah. great. That's that's incredible. I love seeing great things happen to great people. Um, and, and just so people understand, how many employees uh, roughly make that magic happen? Uh, we have, I'll say, twenty-seven people in the field and eight in the office. Excellent. Very efficient. I love it. And in terms of services, you obviously do uh, residential HVAC, you know, and you've yep. got whole, what, whole home performance testing and IQ. And, yeah, uh, but the vast yeah, majority is, say, uh, two-thirds of the guys doing HVAC um, repair and replacement, and okay. then the uh, same, the other third doing on the plumbing side. Plumbing side. How about on, on drain cleaning? How much drain cleaning do you guys do? Uh, drain cleaning is fairly new to us. Uh, I say fairly new to us doing it well. Uh, I, I had a, Sorry, don't mean to laugh for that. Yeah, that's all right. We we had a conversation about reducing our pricing for drain cleaning, and I met a couple of our guys talking in the parking lot, and they said, you know, it's not really that we're overpriced; it's just that we're not that good at it. So mm. I called James Whistler, fellow yeah. member, and yeah. he was kind enough to come up and visit, and we bought the uh, the truck and the the rig and that. That's been that's been a really good deal for us. Is that right? Uh, yeah, uh, it sent guys to several drain cleaning classes. In fact, just recently, within the last couple of weeks, we were at one in the northern Pennsylvania area. That's great. That's great. Now, what are you guys doing in terms of mainline replacement options? Are you just doing trenching, or are you got bursting and relining any of that kind of stuff, or what? Do you uh, do? Mostly just trenching. Uh, okay. If we do have the need to. Uh, reline something, then generally we'll we'll find somebody to do that for them. Yeah. Sure, sure. Very good. Well, very good. Well, I want people to, to understand what all you guys offered uh, your marketplace. So um, you, had, you, you insinuated, well, you didn't insinuate, you, you shared with everyone. Your grandfather started the business. Uh, how old is the business for everyone to understand? Yeah, I have a, a paycheck on my desk that was my grandfather's. He actually worked for one of his siblings, uh, but it's from 1930, and he earned $9 a week at the time. So, <laughs> I don't even think it'll buy you a burger now. No. It's a week. No. <laughs> so, what do we tell tonight? Yeah, yeah. So, what, 80 years ago? So, something like that, I think, is what it's at. Just 100. Yeah, it'll be 100 in 30. Holy moly. And let's see, you, you're now your three of your kids are in the business today, right? Ethan, Tucker, and Allie. Uh, Did I miss anybody? Yeah, Ethan Tucker and Jose work here in close time. Okay. And my son-in-law, Dan, is here as well. Okay. And then Allie is on our commercials, but she actually has a little copy business just down the road. Oh, very good. Well, either way, this is what, fifth generation then? In the uh, they'll mm -hmm. be the fourth. I'm the third. They'll be the fourth. You're the third. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to push you guys along too far. Yeah. But <laughs> either way, that's highly impressive. I don't yeah. have to recite the stats for people to know that for businesses to last more than two generations is very impressive. You know, so just the night before last, we uh, pulled out of my two oldest sons live in a duplex just the next town over. 
Okay. And we left their house and I said, uh, all right, I'll see you in the morning. And I got in the truck with my wife and I said, how many guys get to say that, that they'll see all of their kids every day? That's pretty remarkable. That, it gives you a little, having two boys, it gives me a little chill. That's pretty neat yeah. that you get to do that as they've grown up, you know, because everyone fears once they get to be 18, you know, maybe and if they move away, you only see them at holidays and you get to do it. Every And building something too, right? How cool is yeah. it you get to build something? So. And that's one of the primary reasons it's not for sale. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, um, there's been a lot of, lot of funny money getting thrown around the last couple of years and I'm sure you've gotten lots of phone calls, but, uh, but you wanted to keep, you want to keep the in the family. Absolutely. In fact, there was one time the, the numbers get so crazy. I called my wife and I said, we're sure. Right. She says, we're sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's good to have that confirmation with the yeah. wife just to support that. That's great. Well, that means it's a good industry. That's the way I look at it. I tell people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've survived. I've been, I've been here almost 20 years. We've survived the recession. We've survived COVID. And when you look at it, people need home services. You know, because yes. when, when your toilet's now working and you're hot and it's 100 degrees out, you're going to call somebody and find a way to pay for it. So it's, a, it's an incredible industry. Yeah, um, but I want to, I want to talk a little bit uh, about your journey uh, with us. I mean, like I said, you've been a member over 10 years, something like that. Um, I, I, again, I referenced that magazine piece I did on you guys years ago, uh, and I was struck by how you approached change. You really embraced it. You know, there's, there's some members that come aboard and they struggle with it, but you, you wrote like a list of 30 things down you wanted to accomplish. You did those. And then you, I think a year in, you'd already had two more lists done. So is that something you still do now? Do you have like to-do lists that you Uh, want and things you want to accomplish in the business? Definitely live by to-do lists. Uh, I would say the big difference between now and then is now I'm surrounded by people that are making a lot of the changes. To be honest, I feel the folks around me are often more qualified than I am. And I, sometimes I'm just going along with the changes. I feel like, in fact, they make fun of me. We're all, all of us are in one big open room. Uh And... I'll be sitting there doing my thing, and then eventually I'll roll my chair back in and I'll say, what are we doing? <laughs> but uh, but I'm not the only guy pushing change at this point. Yeah, that's great. What a, what a cool feeling of, of seeing what you built, uh, to have people you trust to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, something else I, I had taken away, again, having talked to you over the years, and, and and you were on the EAB, our executive advisory board, for people that don't know what that is, which, which means you, you contributed a lot with uh, the organization, but, uh, I've always admired that you're always been, you know, I always had a smile on your face. You always have been great to get along with. And, and your tagline, I think is so fitting for your business. Cause I think it, it fits you. You guys are the good natured guys, right? Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and, and that's actually one of your core values. That's what I wanted to swerve into kind of share with everyone what all your, your core values are and, and what that's meant for your business. Yeah, the core values are honorable, excellent, gritty, and good-natured. And they aren't necessarily four things we sat around the room and decided what we want to be. Yeah, uh, They were more uh, of what we recognized in ourselves on our best days. Uh, yeah. On our best days, this is, how, this is how we behave, so let's get more days like that and surround ourselves by other people just like that. And you guys talk about it too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, You're not being very uh, good natured today. You know, someone's oh, yeah. having a rough day. <laughs> yeah. And there's a wall in the training room. Uh, we just did. I'm not often the trainer, but I was yesterday. Yeah. And Doug 
uh, every week is the guys can dominate each other for uh, uh, outstanding in one of those core values. Oh, cool. And we actually had uh, one of the guys, actually my my son Jose was nominated yesterday. He uh, had a call after hours and the guy wasn't, uh, wasn't very pleasant because of his nationality. Mm. And he said, what should I do? And I said, I'd go knock on his door and apologize for your accent and offer to fix what's wrong. Yeah. And he said before he got there, the guy had called him back and was amazed that he was still headed there after he had been treated poorly yeah. and apologized to him several times while he was there. And so it was, but so he was nominated for being good major. That's great. I bet he closed that job after a guy apologized. I'm sure he did. <laughs> Actually, the uh, the compressor was right. He said he was very fearful to go in and tell him that after all. Oh, boy, I bet. I bet, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Well, that's great, though, that your core values, you guys live them, you talk about them. You know, it's a it's a core part. I've found with, with operators, it you know, if everyone knows what your core values are, like your management team, it makes it easier for them to know how to operate because they know how, how you're going to think Make decisions sure. based on those core values. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, I was also kind of looking through your website, as I mentioned to you before I hit record, and and I love that you, on, on your website, it's kind of like an open letter to your customers, uh, and it talks about, you know, being a faith-based organization. That's kind of mm -hmm. what your foundation is. Kind of share with everyone what that means to you, and also, you know, what that means maybe for your people that aren't religious, that it, that doesn't necessarily exclude them, right? Yeah. Oh, sure. Uh, I don't know. I, if I had to guess, maybe we're 50-50 here. Uh, people of faith and people uh, not yet. Uh, and we were uh, sitting around the room this morning uh, in one of our hub leader meetings talking about commission structures and what have you. And one of the guys uh, left the room because his father was in an accident. He came back in and told us, and he says, I'm really going to have to go. He says, but uh, if you, if you think about it, remember, uh, pray for my dad. Yeah. And even though, you know, some of us are churchgoers and some of us are, there's nothing awkward in the group about saying, well, let's just pause the meeting here for a second and remember this man's dad before we, before it. And as it turns out, he's, he's doing well. Okay, good. That's yes. it. That's good. I'm glad we have a resolution to that. So, yeah. Excellent. But, but uh, yeah, I think a lot of it, when you hear about faith-based, is just, you know, you want to be surrounded by good people that yeah. have good morals and uh, want to do the right thing. I think, you know, for, for people that, that question, how are you a faith-based organization and, and work with people that may not be that way? I think that's what it comes down to personally. Yeah. If I'm living my life the way that I say I am, then it should be a very predictable place to work. Yeah. I shouldn't have to worry that, you know, you don't have to watch your commissions and you don't have to worry that I'm going to scream and yell at you or whatever. Right, right, for sure, for sure. And I know it's it's at the foundation of, of what you represent and, and Summers and Zims must be a great place to work because uh, as I, I mentioned to you again before hitting record, I was doing some snooping on your website and looked at your staff page, which I think is cool. You've got a picture of everybody up there, a bio. There was a lot of 1990s on that page. You've got a lot of people that have been with you for 20-plus years, which yeah. is pretty remarkable. It is, and I hate to even say this out loud because that's just like uh, the kiss of death. I'll knock on yeah. wood. Uh, as far as technicians go, we had a fellow, uh, his real name's William, we call him Hutch, but he retired either the last summer or the summer, the summer before, I guess. 
And beyond him, the last time we lost a technician to another company uh, was 2019. So, oh, in our industry, that is bananas. Yeah. That is so, crazy. And it shows a lot of grace on the side of the technicians, because certainly I screwed stuff up between then and now that I've been forgiven <laughs> for. So, sure. Yeah, sure. Well, I think that just speaks to the environment that you fostered there. I mean, like I said, anytime I've interacted with you, you're a good-natured guy, and I'm sure that's just how you, you live your life and, and how you approach yourself in the office, right? You're approachable. You're your team. You know, I'm sure people don't mind having conversations with you because I know there's owners that don't always come into the office that same way. You know, oh, that boss, you can't talk to him. You know, that's his yeah. But But uh, that speaks to the environment you fostered. Uh, and actually, I was going to – I was going to – I got to bring it up because I – Again, doing some research and, and, and looking back and over the times we've talked, uh, I'd forgotten you had that one gentleman that retired, what, 10 years ago was, what, 40 years with your with the company? Oh, and John, you, yes. John, you guys bought him a camper, and you bought him a camper, yeah. which I thought was so cool. Retired in 2012. Yeah. Uh, we always joke that he doesn't know it because he was here this morning again. But You're kidding me. No, he's, he's in here Tuesdays and Thursday mornings. Um, really? Yep, he'll make hot dogs for the for the meeting on Tuesdays and Thursdays. He'll reclaim some refrigerant, and then he's off to his next bluegrass venture or whatever. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, that's what the camper was for. I forgot about that. Or he like to go tour. That is so cool. That is really neat. And uh, I was going to say some other things. I I had just remembered off the top of my head. You uh you bought boots for everyone too, right? Was it a gold hit or or maybe speak to that story a little bit? Yeah, well. Uh, we do that fairly often. We call it boot day, no matter whether, you know, maybe it's some days it's sunglasses and whatever, but uh, randomly throughout the year, we'll just, uh, we'll postpone a training meeting and uh, a Red Wing boot truck will show up for uh, Oakley sunglasses or something like that. Yeah. The, the biggest day we ever had, or the most fun day probably was during COVID. We worked hard that summer. Uh, oh, yeah. And we kept telling the guys that, you know, just keep working. There'll be time to put your feet up later when we get through this. And come September of that year, uh, we had one of our customers has a furniture store. And he brought Lazy Boys in for everybody. Oh. So, so that was that awesome. awesome. That is awesome. I mean, that, that probably speaks a little bit to why you haven't lost anyone since 2019. That was a retirement, <laughs> right? So he, he's really used that Lazy Boy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's really cool. Now, what? Now, what is the rationale? It's just, it's not, it's not tied to a number. It's just, it's just, hey, we're we're profitable. We're making money. You're working hard. Thank you. Yeah, that is that it. A team win. Uh, and there's situations where where they're going above and beyond what is required of their job, and so uh, that gives me the opportunity to go above and beyond what's required of being an owner. So that's awesome. Well, good for you. That's remarkable. Um, before we, uh, again, before we started the interview a couple of days ago, uh, you sent me your org chart cause I always find org charts very interesting how different people decide to structure their operations. And, uh, just noticed that you really have what two people that report to you directly these days, right? You have your, your Kate, your office manager, finance manager, and Kevin, your general manager. Is that, am I accurate? Uh, yeah, that would be, that's the piece of paper anyway. I would say more likely, uh, I think one of the most interesting things about our org chart is if you look at it, the same name is in several boxes. Yes, I did notice. Uh, so say Rob, Kevin, Joey, our um, comfort advisors, 
uh, each of them would wear a hat additional to that as well. If okay. the, uh, if the shop guys ill or on vacation, then Rob might be making sheet metal that day or, uh, Kevin wears too many hats, but, um, and Joe Henderson would help with the, the service price book. So those three guys would certainly, and they're all hub leaders as well. So the hub leaders would uh, easily report to me too. Yeah. Yeah. And you've mentioned this hub meeting, hub leaders. What is, what does that mean? Kind of share uh, everyone what that means. It's really just a small group. Uh, each of those guys, I'm looking at the conference table because they were sitting here this morning. I think there's six of them and myself. Uh, they each have you know, five or six guys that would report to them. Okay. And then Ethan, our dispatcher, any invoices that would come up during the week that, you know, maybe we could have done a little better on, he'll send those to the hub leaders. Uh -huh. Friday morning, they'll discuss it amongst themselves, and then they'll send the information out to their to their guys on the next Thursday morning on, on the hub meeting. Okay, very good. So maybe if you don't mind, those six... People. Yeah. What are, what are their roles so people understand? Uh, Todd would be our our lead plumber, and Steve's our lead HVAC tech. Okay. Then we have our three comfort advisors: Kevin, uh, Rob, and Joe. And okay. then uh, Kenny is our uh, technical trainer. He is also a leader. Okay. Very good. Yeah, I was going to ask you because in the org chart, I didn't see specifically comfort advisors. I just saw technicians. Yeah. So I was gonna I was gonna ask about that later on, but I brought it up now. So so they are technicians and comfort like they're selling technicians, as we kind of say in, in the biz. Yeah, they are. And we got yeah. that we changed a little bit. Actually, uh, brothers in um, Denver uh, talked Flint. to us a little bit. And between during COVID, the homeowners didn't want extra people in the house, so uh, we kind of got to the point where one of our guys, Steve, would. Be talking to the customer and and that kevin uh would be sitting at his desk but he would facetime them and get the information he needed off of the the system and all give the price to the customer and and we kind of learned through that that hey this is this is pretty efficient yeah and yeah so now rob is still here for the the trickiest job so he'll run out if, if we need some duct design or if there's any question about the existing system may not have been the right size to begin with things like that yeah yeah yeah. You're not still doing virtual sales calls, though, are you? Not really. Uh, now it's more about if it's a FaceTime, it's just between the technician and the, yeah. uh, and Kevin, and then the technician would present the proposal. Okay, very good. So the, those hub meetings, they're always on Fridays, or are there other moments where you guys gather? Yeah, the uh, the hub leaders meet on Friday mornings, and then they meet with their guys every other Thursday morning. Every other Thursday. What? Now, what what are the what? Let's go the Friday meeting. What is what are they discussing? So they said you said problematic tickets potentially there. What are what are some other things that get discussed? Yeah, this morning the hub leaders were discussing the commission structure uh, as uh, inflation. I think they said from the beginning of COVID until now, the price of a water heater installed is like twenty three percent higher than it used to be. Believe me, and. Yeah. A lot of our commissions are flat fees, uh, and they're more spips than commissions. Uh, okay. And we thought, well, you know, some of those things need to change with inflation as well. So sure, sure. Uh, so that was one of the discussions. Uh, getting having the guys on time to their jobs was uh, one of the discussions. Getting the equipment loaded up. We yep. 
Now, a hub group could also discuss, we're new to um, RLS uh, fittings, which is um, ProCrest for HVAC guys. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was one of the hub group discussions and how to get the tools and the jaws in the right places and all that. So, sure, sure. Who sets the agenda? Is that is that uh, Kevin doing that? Is that you doing that? Or not? It would probably actually be indirectly set by Ethan, the dispatcher, by the problems he's noticed or opportunities in a given week. And That's interesting. That the Kevin or or even Kenny, uh, Kenny has all the callbacks. Okay. So if he notices something there, that would come up as well. Okay, very good. And yeah, Ethan, I, I noticed in the orchard, he's operations manager, right? So yeah. it's not this. So he does dispatching, but what else does he do as operations manager? Boy, he's Ethan is a little bit like Kevin in the sense, and their desks face each other. Uh, they both do too much. Um, <laughs> they, uh, he primarily his like everybody wears a couple hats, but he yeah. he, he does dispatch all the texts. Uh, and in addition to that, is just very motivated to um, to make sure that. Every call is run with the right person, run well, and all the checks and balances after the fact get get done too. But he's in every discussion as far as uh, price changes, uh, wage increases. Yeah. Uh, in fact, that's probably a little odd. That group of people, uh, most of those discussions are are group discussions. Interesting. With Kevin, Rob, Joe, Kate. And actually, I think it just dawned on me, wasn't it Ethan, it was kind of the reason why you ended up joining us when yeah. we were Success Group International, right? Because his freshman year, he was going into college, and he said, hey, Dad, I want to come join the business. You're like, oh, boy, yeah. Yeah, we need to get some things straightened out. Maybe kind of share with everyone that story. Yeah, that's exactly the case. Um, when he started in college, uh, he had said that he knew he wanted to go into business, and I said, well, you know, that's a pretty wide range. Is that more like Coca-Cola or more like us? Yeah. And he said, definitely a small business. And he wasn't there long before he said, uh, I really want to come to work with you. And which is the first person he doesn't know how to fix anything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, he's not all that mechanically inclined. <laughs> yeah. And that's funny. Yeah. And I think maybe that's one of his successes, actually, because he he admires the people that can. So there's a mutual respect. And they... Uh, and they admire what he can do. But um, he said, I thought, well, I really have about, I'd gotten a little bit lazy in the sense that it was good enough for me. I didn't care about growing all that much. Yeah. And I thought, well, if he's going to come here, I really ought to get my act together if we're going to do this for another generation. Yeah. And I guess good thing I did because there's, uh, he's got uh, two brothers and a brother-in-law here as well. <laughs> That's neat. That's so cool. That is so cool. Uh, I want to talk about, again, some of the other leaders. Uh, well, let's talk about Kevin. You you meant, brought his name up. I brought his name up. He's been with you since 2001. Uh, what is his background? Did he, he didn't come in as general manager, did he? he did he come in? No. Uh, uh, Kevin, there was a, a small contractor in our neighborhood that uh, the owner of that, who was also Kevin, uh, went to the mission field. And we... Uh, bought his customer list and took his employees on. And Kevin was one of those guys. I'll be darned. Yeah. And to be honest, I, Kevin was a service tech for Waterson Service Group. And uh, eventually an opening came up in uh, to be a comfort advisor. And 
I've told Kevin this, so it's not really out of uh, telling tales, but uh, I really didn't think he was the right guy because he, he's pretty quiet. Uh, ah. and I thought, you know, he doesn't really seem outgoing enough to be a comfort advisor, but uh, has done a great job and has, you know, excelled beyond that as well. Yeah. So when did he make the pivot from like sales to general manager? Because that's a heck of a jump. You know, to be perfectly honest, the way that works here often, uh, it was more of a morph than he did the job. I would bet he did the job for two years before we said, hey, he's the one doing this. We probably ought to slap a title on that. Uh, huh. But yeah, he assumed the role uh, before the title came late. Was that, was that you giving him additional responsibilities because you, you saw his ability or was that him volunteering to take things on? Yeah, I think it was, he was certainly taking things on and I wasn't holding him back from that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, it was just more and more, I mean, he's a comfort advisor. Why is he taking a complaint on a service call pricing issue? Uh, but he is. Yeah. And I mean, that was probably just the first thing. And then yeah. he just, he was just always going above and beyond what he was asked to do. Yeah. Yeah. Was, uh, so, I mean, in terms of grooming him for that position, you know, I mean, I, so he just took on more, I guess, or, or did he shadow you at any point to understand all the complexities there is, is to be a GM or kind of maybe yeah. talk about his, that maturation process. And this was actually an Ethan idea. Uh, he was, we, it's an old building, old three-story, like a moose lodge is what it was originally our office. Yeah. And Ethan kept saying, we all need to be in the same room because he thinks we overhear a lot, which is very helpful. Uh, yeah. And so if, during COVID, uh, we all moved into the same open room because there's only a skeleton crew of us here. Yeah. And it turned out to be great. No, so Kevin, in the same open room, Kevin sits... 10 feet away from me all day long. So it's not like he can't spin the chair around and ask me a question, but, uh, I would, I'd probably ask him more than he asked me at this point, but, <laughs> uh, but if there's anything that he's unsure about or just wants to bank something off of. So as far as, uh, learning, we all probably learn from each other just because we're so close together. Yeah, that's, that's not pretty much good. different than two guys on an install team. If they're working side by side. You yeah. want somebody does it. Yeah, that's that's great. It's a team environment. You guys work yeah. together. That's, they're not in silos. We're working this this together. Yeah. Um, you know, I I I've got to circle back for a moment. I should ask this earlier about Ethan when he came aboard. So that was what three four years ago. How long has he been in? Oh, uh, longer than that. I'm longer than that. He, he graduated high school in 11 and in college in 14. So he's oh, nine years. Dad. Yeah. God, we're, that's making me feel old. I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you, so my question is, this, how do you integrate your son, your, your other children into the business without people being, uh-oh, here's the, the boss's kids. They're going to just get yeah. keys in the castle and not earn, you know, their roles. Like how, how did you handle that situation? Because right. I think that's obviously huge in our the easiest one was Dan, my son-in-law, because he worked here and then started dating my daughter. So <laughs> he integrated himself. Yeah. Uh, Jose was a little different uh, because until he's adopted from El Salvador. Okay. And he uh, he had to shatter somebody until we could get his uh, working papers all squared away. So 
being in a service truck, he kind of worked into that. Uh, Ethan, like I said, is not all that mechanically inclined. Yeah. And on his first day, we had a 30 year dispatcher, Joanne, who just retired during COVID as well. Yeah. And I said, well, I would like him to do work next to her because in that dispatching role in a small company, you've got your fingers in everything. I think it's the quickest way to learn every aspect of the office at least. And because you have to know when the parts are coming in, does the process for ordering parts and receiving parts work well? Yeah. Uh, see, you learn everything doing that. Yeah. Uh, so he, he really shadowed Joanne more than he did me. Yeah. And he's, he's still at least partially in that role. Interesting. How long did it take him to learn that dispatching? I mean, it's so complicated. There's so many yeah. facets to it. So how, how long did you know, it take for, for you to feel comp comfortable for him to take that over and, and run with it? Um, that might've been a little bit overnight. He was certainly Joanne's helper for yeah. until, uh, March of 2020, whenever COVID started, Joanne happened to be on vacation in one of the Carolinas when the order came down from the governor that, you know, this is, this is an emergency. Yeah. And, and we just said, okay, you're not in the office. So why don't you stay home and we'll have TV come in. So that was really day one of Ethan running it by himself. Oh, very good. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Um, I wanted to talk about some of the other uh, key key people. I think you mentioned uh, Rob and Joey, their project manager, right? Mm -hmm. that they're, that's now, so that's a, that's the sales role, right? Is that it is with the uh, I was going to ask for clarification what that is yeah. in your business. Uh, yeah. We don't have installation managers. Uh, Joe Henderson is on the plumbing side, Rob's on the HVAC side. Okay. So, not only is Rob the comfort advisor, but he's ordering the parts for the job and he's the one, he has enough technical expertise to make sure that it's installed properly as well. So Interesting. Very interesting. Again, they both have been with you, I think, uh, 1995, 1996? Yeah. yeah. Or were they five years old when they came aboard? I, no, they must have been. <laughs> I was not when I hired them. That's right. That's right. Oh, uh, that's great. And then you mentioned Ken, who uh, I think his, the title I saw was Head Service Tech Field Tech Support. So he's calling, handling what callbacks? And is he doing quality control or what all is he doing? Uh, Ken's, he's great. Uh, he's a guy, he, when one of the guys asked him if he wanted to work here to be a, a, a ductwork helper, he said yes. And he said, what's ductwork? So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, though, it's a good attitude, right? Well, I'll, I'll handle, I'll figure it out. So, yeah. He has, uh, one of his keys to success, I think, is he has a daughter that's into cheerleading, and he would take her to practice and just watch videos on HVAC forever. <laughs> and he's just extremely knowledgeable, but I think the move from him to go from field to office, uh, our own building had an AC problem, so mm -hmm. I went outside to, to help work on it, and my son, Jose, met me there and I said, so what was wrong with the job in Kennett Square? And he said, I don't know. I couldn't figure it out. Kenny went to do it. Mm. And I thought, oh, so you still don't know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, you know, we've got to do this a little better. And we invested in Kenny and some tech remote technology that rather than just have Kenny run around and fix everything that the next guy couldn't, uh, how to get them teamed up so that he could go with them and coach them. So he does technical training uh, on Thursday mornings with all the guys. Very good. So are yeah. guys what FaceTiming him, or you have some other platform you use? If they I mean, different platform. It's called yeah. Manifold. So the gauges that 
the old-fashioned gauges that the technician had on uh, the unit, Kenny can log into those from the office and see all the readings that, that they have. That's cool. Yeah, now he could also jump in the truck and go visit them if, if need be, but he would at least start there. What, so is the bulk of his day then just, just helping out and checking yeah. the different technicians? Wow. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So is it is it because you got a lot of younger technicians or, or you know, and, and you just want that additional support? Or is it you just said, hey, you guys do enough. We're working on different types of equipment and, and it can get complicated. Or what was the rationale to have that position? Um, to be honest, I think we took our approach. We're, we're over 50% service, which is a little odd for the industry. Yeah, it's a lot. And the... So our method to selling more stuff or increasing our service revenue, we were much more comfortable in being extremely thorough in our inspections okay. rather than would you like, you know, a drain pan treatment or something. Uh, when we do it, if we would tune up your air conditioner, we know how many BTUs are pulling it's putting out that day. Uh, we're testing the capacitors, the it's just a very thorough inspection and Kenny is very uh does a very good job of making sure the guys understand airflow and static pressure and so our revenue really comes from just being very thorough that's great that's interesting uh Steve and Todd they're your lead HVAC yeah. and plumbing techs respect respectively uh so are they the ones handling the phone calls for on the service side like uh mm -hmm. having a problem with the customer they're in the van every day, yeah. Yep. Uh, and one of, we use stories of our core values when we're onboarding new employees. And Todd is one of them. We had uh, a boiler to put in one morning and it was, say, five o'clock in the afternoon and they're calling for 18 inches of snow. How are we going to get this guy's boiler in tomorrow? Yeah. And Todd's standing there next to us and he said, well, when's it going to start? And we said, I don't know, eight o'clock tomorrow. He said, well, that gives us uh, we've got 10 hours between now and then. So we put the boiler in the middle of the night, the people had heat and it's just that kind of big sample. Uh, let's just, let's just get the job done. And, yeah. and Todd's workmanship as well. He was the first guy that went to a certain path training from us. Oh, is that and, right? Yeah. And the fact that Todd is, you know, six, five, maybe generously 280. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, literally carries a lot of weight with the rest of the guys. But yeah. His his workmanship is perfect. He's gritty. And if he says, this is the way we're going to do it, um, then that's the way we're going to do it. That's pretty cool. And he's down 2,000. He's been with you since 2,000. Well, yeah. saw on the website. That's pretty cool. Support for this podcast comes from Owens Corning Air Care. Uncover hidden opportunities and take your HVAC business to the next level with Owens Corning. Owens Corning has done the work to provide you with a turnkey system with a simple story that practically sells itself. Add duct replacement and attic insulation to your service offering as part of our program and elevate your sales today. Benefits include sales and product training, marketing support, and a rewards program. For more information on partnership opportunities, visit owenscorning.com aircare. Uh, you've got a lot of, of, of great people on your team, um, and I'm sure, you know, they're they're coaching their people. But who handles training? You mentioned you did a training yesterday. So what is what does training look like at Summers and Zims? When, when, when are they, you know, who's doing it? When is it being done? 
on a typical morning, uh, Kevin will do training on Tuesday mornings, which would be all the certain pipe training. Okay. Now, a couple minutes out of every training, I'll say five or 10 minutes, Doug uh, Kaufman will do uh, hill, we call them pickles, but he'll get the uh, pickle awards for uh, core values, and he'll also announce upcoming social events and different educational things like a Dave Ramsey class and things like that that are coming up. Yeah. Uh, uh, con he's always got some kind of contest going on. So very so he he's the more he's probably the more fun part of the meeting, Doug would be. <laughs> but uh and then Kevin is getting into the certain past soft skills. Okay. Very good. And that happens on what days again? That's a small oh, day a week. Tuesday morning. That's yep. Tuesdays. How about technical training? When is that uh, is technical training uh is Thursday mornings with Ken Thursday. Okay. And uh, now I just noticed recently, uh, Steve Hoffman, one of the guys, they had him doing a uh, tankless water heater training. So very easily could be, you know, Kenny or Todd or somebody would say, well, yes, we need training on this, but our best guy happens to be Steve. Let's let him yeah. do the training. That's great. Yeah. There's no ego. Let's just get right. better together. Right. Which yeah. is fantastic. Uh, you mentioned Dave Ramsey and, and other fun stuff. That's great. I think that's yeah. remarkable because I think that's just a hole in society. No one learns how to manage money anymore. So right. what, 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 yeah, what do you do for the, for the team? Like how often are you having those Dave Ramsey classes or what are, what are some other neat things you do for the, for the team to help them uh, out? Probably the most fun thing is, uh, we have a little fitness center next door. Okay. And. Uh, Doug's always running a contest of some sort, and it could be fantasy football or whatever, but uh, he announced yesterday that uh, if you get, if you're in the gym, once you get to the Century Club, you've been in the gym a hundred times, uh, then there's, uh, they had t-shirts that looks like a great t-shirt, but once you sweat in it, then the S&Z comes in. <laughs> uh, so, the, so he's always got, Fun stuff on. There's uh, he enacts the uh, uh, the baseball pool that it's not quite fantasy baseball, but similar that you pick who's going to be in the World Series and yeah, uh, he's always always has something going on. Something fun. That's something. Yeah, fun. that's that's pretty neat. That's pretty yeah. neat. And then how often do you have the Ramsey training though? About you know, um, I would I don't really know that for sure. In fact, that's the husband of our bookkeeper that actually does the training. Does it? Yeah, I would say this would have been the third time this year. So, whoa, third time this year. That's neat. Yeah. That's yeah. great. So, you got everyone's living on a budget and learning to save their money. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. certainly the, there's things that are voluntary. So, there's not. Oh, sure. Yeah. But that's great that you make it available. I think that's super neat. That's a, that's a great takeaway for people. Um, you know, all of these leadership positions that I've, I've rolled through, at one time you wore that hat. You know, it might have been. You know what? Maybe when you joined, or or had you relinquished some of them before you had joined us about 10, 11 years ago? Um, on the as far as day to day, who's going to the the next note eat call? I didn't do that. Yeah. But uh, my brother Jerry, who is still here, uh, yeah, it would have been one of the two of us for sure that that did everything. And promoting right. change was tough. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, so I, you just kind of run out of energy for all the things, you know, need to be changed. Yeah. But now that there's six or eight of us, uh, each promoting a change or two, uh, yeah. that's a really big deal. So, yeah, that kind of, so my question is that it, cause it, it, I see it all the time. It's the, 
the hardest thing for business owners because typically you guys are control oriented. You know, you, you're like, I want things done a certain way because I know it'll be done right. But to grow, you have to overcome that, right? So yeah. how did you know when was the right time to let go of, of certain roles? Was it just because you ran out of time and, and you felt like you had the right person? Kind of what is your perspective on, on, on doing that and elevating people to take over what you once did? Yeah, I remember when I joined CertainPath, uh, talking to the guys, I said, I've got plenty of energy. I don't mind working. Yeah. I said, I am completely out of ideas. Uh, Interesting. If I, if I knew how to do anything different, I would have already tried it. Yeah. Uh, I need your ideas. And uh, I think it was probably guys like Todd and Kevin initially, and certainly Ethan, that uh, they believe they went to, we've been to EP six or eight times at least. Uh, yeah. And we take different guys with us all the time. Yeah. And Doug owned his own bakery for 25 years. Oh, is that but, right? Yeah. He went to EP with me and he says, says, wow, if they had this for the baking industry, I'd, I'd still be doing that. <laughs> but they see it and they believe it and they just, they take hold of it and, and run. And I, I overhear discussions, but I don't think I ever, uh, necessarily wanted to do it all myself. I just yeah. had trouble getting anybody to buy the vision until uh, there were people other than me namely a certain path saying similar thing. Was it just you saw, so when you were, you know, you gave up the GM role or you gave up this role or that, you know, Kate, don't, don't want to forget about her. You know, she takes, she manages all finance and that huge component, mm -hmm. right? So was it just that you went, Hey, I've got the right person. I'm just going to, I think, and I see them doing this and that I'm going to give them officially that role. Was it just kind of seeing people elevate themselves that you felt comfortable in relinquishing that responsibility? Yeah, it probably was exactly that. Uh, because when I joined, I was probably still doing a, some of the comfort advisor role as well. Yeah. And I just noticed that, Hey, you know, I, I don't mind doing this, but Rob's jobs come in better than mine. <laughs> uh, let's, yeah. uh, let's send his, and there's no question that Ethan has his mind is more detailed than mine. Uh, yeah. and he's not going to miss as many things. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say that we do jobs side by side. And then as I realize who's better than me in certain things, just, just let them run with it and I'll support them as best I can. That's, that's great. I mean, it's no ego, right? I think that's what gets so people, so many people in trouble. I, I'm the only one that can do this, but when you recognize, boy, he's really good at that, or she's really good at that. Let's, let's let them take that over. That's really cool. And, and I think that speaks to why your people have been with you so long. They go, boy, Joe trusts me, and I have a lot of responsibility. This is my business, not just, you know, Joe's, Jerry's company. This is, this is, I take ownership because I feel like I have ownership here. I think that's so, that's so cool, and that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, how about, uh, let's see, we, we talked about uh, uh, handling some of those responsibilities over to other people. What are some of the great characteristics of, of these leaders in your team? What are some things that have set them apart that other people can go, I need to see X, Y, and Z in my people to, to be able to trust them to take over as a general manager one day or just office manager or service manager. What, what certain things do you always recognize in those successful people in your, in your space? Uh, when we're talking about those people, uh, the most recent addition within the last year is Tucker. And uh, Tucker would be my second son. 
And yeah. my uh, my line there, Ethan and Tucker are opposites. But uh, I always say, if I'm going to fly an airplane, I would like Ethan to do the pre-check list before we get on the plane rather than Tucker. Uh, <laughs> but if the plane's going down, I would like Tucker to climb out on the wing and fix it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think whether it whether it's he's the most recent example, but there is a freedom uh, to jump in and uh, we're going to let you go and just tug on the reins every now and then. But uh, we tend to attract people that we're not pushing. Uh, there, If anything, we're, we might have to, to pull them back once in a while. But yeah, whether it's Kenny uh, on you know, deciding to move to the next um, platform of iManifold or, uh, or the, we call them the watchdogs, but the uh, Sensi predicts. Uh, I mean, he'll come and, and sell me on his vision, but my default answer is always going to be yes. I don't want to, I have to have a pretty good reason to say no or wait. And so uh, as long as they're, they're moving and their intentions are, are good. Uh, I'm not looking for reasons to control people or, or hold them back. Do you, do you, um, so I know, uh, you don't mention that you have, they have the hub meetings. Do you have any meetings with them one-on-one just to see, make sure they're doing well, or is it pretty much just an open book and you guys are talking all the time in your big room and, and the, the, the conversations just happen naturally and you know, we know how, how they are and, and you know, where they are. Yeah, in fact, Ethan reminded me of that this morning. I was in the hub meeting, which is not typical for me. Yeah, and he said, "Hey, I should have, I should have prepped you before we got there." But he said, "Sometimes telling me I forget that there's eight people that are in that big room are talking all the time." Yeah, and then you have Todd and Steve and a couple of the guys that are in vans all day. He said, "You really got to give them enough time to catch up." They, they haven't heard this conversation 15 times in the last week. Right. And so, uh, yeah, so to answer your question, I think a lot of it is just organically happening. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, I want to talk about the field a little bit. Let's see. I, I noticed you've got the three departments install, repair, maintenance. Um, you've got uh, a couple of HVAC apprentices, I guess, in the install team, that is. Are they then making up with three-man teams when they go out and do the installs and they're just kind of watching the two installers? Yeah, that is often the case, at least this time of year. Yeah. Uh, we haven't hired, uh, we don't, I shouldn't, not categorically, but we don't often hire guys that have experience. Uh, right. Typically, we're going to we're gonna train them here. And Kenny made that switch. We used to train guys up through maintenance. Okay. And Kenny would rather train guys up through the replacement department. He's Interesting. They can just learn more things quickly. Okay. Uh, and then, and then from from uh, from install, they what go become uh, a, a ride, do ride alongs with maintenance at one point if you see that they have a future in service and sales. Yeah, and I I think it depends on the personality. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, one guy, Tyler, is he's a little bit like Todd in the sense that his installs are just perfect. And maybe don't want to do service someday, but it would kind of surprise me if he does. He just seems to take a lot of pride in, uh, let's see if I can put the perfect install together. That's cool. Uh, and some of the other guys, uh, while their work is, is great, but they, uh, Russell would be one. He really enjoys the interaction with the customer. Yeah. Uh, so he'll, 
more likely end up in, in a service role. Yeah, that's cool. And I noticed that in both the repair and maintenance departments, you've got a couple of, of, of folks that are both HVAC and plumbing technicians, yeah. which I don't see a lot in the States. In Canada, I see it a little bit, but not yeah. so much in the States. So how did that how did that happen? Did they just I uh, think in every case, uh starting with probably my brother was the original one that yeah. we were small enough he just did everything. Yeah. And uh but uh Darren and Steve, I think in every case they were plumbers that said and experienced plumbers, uh fifteen year plumbers that maybe didn't get enough hours certain times of the year because yep. we had plenty of club memberships. That part was growing. And they said, Hey, I, I think I could learn this. And we would send them to the, the two week boot camps in Nashville and things like that, and then teach them. Uh, and they were probably the first two that came into it. And now we see it on both sides. Now we see HVAC guys saying, I'd like to learn a little more about plumbing and vice versa. So Boy, that makes uh, makes it a lot easier. Oh, true. Makes the call volume. I mean, yeah. you get a lot of plumbing calls. Okay, well, you're going to be a plumber today. You got a lot of HVAC. That's really cool. That's great. You mentioned uh, a lot of your folks are are homegrown, right? You don't hire a lot of experienced technicians. So mm-hmm. I have to ask the question because it's the biggest one in the industry. How are you finding? Uh, I would assume great young people. Uh, maybe not. Maybe they're just looking for a career change. How, how are you finding these people to fill in those roles? Uh, of the 37 or 38 guys we have, there's only one guy, Ron Brackbill, that we didn't know. Everybody mm-hmm. else that works here is either a relative of somebody else that works here, uh, a neighbor, uh, a classmate in school. Uh, a recent fellow, uh, Spencer, we had, we had an employee that was here 40 years, and when he retired, he taught at the local trade school. And he called us and said, I don't know if you need guys or not, but you need this guy. <laughs> and wow. So, uh, so we get Spencer like that, but everybody that we've hired came through somebody else that works here. Wow. All word of mouth. That yes, is crazy. Yeah. We're not on Indeed or anything like that. Is that right? You don't have a presence on Wow. Okay. Wow. So when you have a, so who handles in the interviews at that point? Are you still you're, uh, are you still doing that? Or are you uh, no? Doug else does. Doug at least does the first one. Yeah, and he interviews people all the time. Uh, yeah, um, so anybody that wants an interview can have one, uh, pretty much. And Doug does all that. If they pass the core value test, which you know Doug was a baker, he doesn't know anything about HVAC. So yeah, then he'll bring Kenny in, and if he's really impressed with the guy, he may say, "Hey, Joe, you might want to sit in on this one with Kenny as well." Yeah. And so then we will, but we have, he could tell you better than I can, but I know of at least a couple of names of people that are kind of in the wings that we could call if we had manpower now. That's cool. What's the core value test? What is that exactly? Uh, I think it's just conversations. He's got a lot of good questions in the sense that I, one of the favorite ones is, you know, our core values are honorable, excellent, gritty, and good natured. Yeah. And my own example is we always say, which one of those comes easiest for you and which one's the hardest? Ooh, that's interesting. And in, I, in our annual reviews, which they review me as well, in my review, uh, my confession was that I think I'm less gritty than I used to be. Oh. Uh, if I need to... You know, move something heavy. I'll figure out a way to do that. 
But as you and I know, if it's uh, trying to learn the, the Zoom or the Teams platform, uh, <laughs> then I'm just quick to say, hey, Tate, come do this for me. Yeah. Then they're being gritty enough to figure it out. So, yeah. Uh, and I think that's one of the questions that Doug will ask the guys, you know, what's hard for you? What's easy for you? And they get some of the more honest conversations. That's great. I want, I want to ask about your review in a, in a minute, but how about, uh, how about then, uh, how do you, you know, it's like you're Ethan, you said he's not technically inclined. I'm not at all. Yeah. Like if I could screw something in, I'm really proud of myself. So how do you, then, I mean, he, you can hire a great guy, but if he can't figure it out, probably can't stay that long. So is there a way you, uh, see what their technical or, you know, their technical aptitude might be? Is there anything you yeah. can gauge that? That's true. Um, and a lot of that will come probably with Kenny talking about their hobbies. Uh, okay. If they're, if they're into cars or, um, you know, uh, woodworking, if, if models, yeah, if their hobbies are, um, you know, I'm picking on myself, reading and riding a bicycle, um, you gotta go a little deeper than that to, <laughs> to get them past that first test. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, just because they're honorable, excellent, gritty, and good-natured, you probably have all those characteristics, but we probably don't want you fixing my furnace. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. No, no, you'll be, uh, no. That would be, you would not be having any heat then. Yeah. Um, but that's interesting. That's good. I wanted to get those those nuggets out. Yeah. Um, so how about your review? I got asked about this. So who is doing your review? Uh, this year, it could be anybody. This year was, it was supposed to be, Kevin, Kate, and Doug, and for some reason, and I think it, to be honest, it's because I tend to get Rammy, and if things are, uh, well, let's just do it now. You two are here, and Kate wasn't, which was yeah. probably a detriment because I asked Kate for help more than anybody. Yeah. Uh, but Kevin and Doug did mine this year. Oh man! So they they you're so in theory it could be you and three people firing questions at you. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty intimidating. So how did that come about? What? How did you decide I'm gonna uh, make myself this vulnerable? Because really you are, to, for for criticism and open conversation about what I do day to day. Uh, I think I was impressed. Most of the reviews, uh, and there's three or four people on all of them. Um, yeah, it would be their hub leader, Kevin, and Doug is more there for. He's the one that's. Uh, the dream manager was one of the things that we really liked. So if they're saying, uh, I want to be able to do this in the future or own my own home or whatever. Yeah. Doug's taking those notes and, and meeting with them saying, you know, in your review, you said you wanted to do this. Uh, what are some steps we can take to make sure this happens? So Doug's in all the reviews. Um, and Kevin as the general manager is there and he's got input from Ethan and and other people sure. as well. Sure. I gotta, I gotta, I, I know a lot of us that have been in the group for a long time know a dream manager, but I know there's people that are watching, listening, that aren't in the group, in the group and are new, they don't know what that is. So Doug handles that role of dream manager. Yes. Mm -hmm. We'll kind of share with everyone what that is. Yeah. In our place, uh, we had an employee that, uh, who was still here and thriving, but he went through a real personal crisis. Young guy, great tech. And because of that, we thought, wow, these young guys, just because we can teach them HVAC, there's a lot of life skills they need as well. And we said, uh, Ethan 
said, you really need to hire Doug to fill this role. And I said, well, we knew Doug was selling his business. And I said, well, Doug doesn't want to work here. He was actually looking for a job in youth ministry. Really? And eventually he talked me into it and we got him here. But uh, he enjoys that part of his role the most. And the dream manager was a position hired. I think it was a cleaning company, industrial cleaning company that had a lot of uh, low paid employees and just tons of turnover. And really what it amounted to is just uh, taking some time to get to know the people and care about what they care about. The owners of the company were so detached from uh, economically and socially from the people that worked for them that they were just in two, living in two different worlds and had no idea why the folks were not showing up for work. And it could be because uh, if the bus didn't run, they had no transportation. So uh, helping now our guys are a little different, sure. you know, uh, but uh, but still they have they have dreams they want to accomplish in their lifetime. Yeah. And Doug is, I don't want to let, maybe I shouldn't let the cat out of the bag, but one of his um, uh, latest ideas, which will probably come into fruition, he wants to buy uh, with the, lately food is so expensive and diapers yeah. and formula. Uh, he wants to buy bulk groceries and keep in contact with the spouses and say, hey, I have an opportunity to buy $500 worth of soy formula. Uh, who wants in? <laughs> oh, wow. And yeah. now we have, we also have a connection with all these spouses as well. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of the things that he would do. It's not quite dream manager, but, you know, just a help to the families. Supporting people. Yeah. I, I, I've, uh, my kids are older, but my, I know I've got in-laws that, uh, they can't even find formula. You yeah. know, it's just, it's crazy. Uh, these shortages and everything, but that's really cool that you 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 know you, you look for opportunities just to step in yeah. and help. Um, that's fantastic. Um, I wanted to to I've, I've got some questions for you. Some things I I want to ask you to kind of look back from when we first talked in 2011 versus where you are today, and mm -hmm. and just kind of reflect on that. And you've grown considerably. What like two million to ten million? I mean, just mm -hmm. massive, massive growth. What would you say are the two to three biggest reasons or changes or things you implemented in the business that was the catalyst for that significant growth? What, what would you say to that? Uh, success where was one for sure. Um, straightforward pricing was a huge one. Yeah. Uh, and I think just um, the, and now I'm having a senior moment on the, uh, we are members of the unlimited training platform. Uh, yeah was yeah total access and yeah the fact that we we pay for our training in advance at the beginning of the year well then you're crazy not to take advantage of it you've already paid for it so we've got guys training continually and i think we always had great intentions and good people we just had no systems uh and that's really what we got from certain path is uh just one small example the onboarding process came out of us uh, an expo and really we just downloaded it and played it and we, you know, maybe personalized it through the years, sure. but, sure. um, but we, I don't think we've ever had an original idea. Everything we do <laughs> is, is probably someone else. Yeah. Well, that's, you're, you're too tough on yourself. Uh, but that's, so that's it. So processes, getting the pricing right, 
you know, all that that key stuff. How about how do you ensure you've been prof? I mean, very profitable company. How do, how have you ensured that you've maintained that profitability throughout the years? Because I mean, especially the last couple of years with the yeah. materials have have just boomed and, and labor costs go up. So, what what are some couple nuggets that maybe you've learned? And I know you're very good with numbers and you're you're big on the financials. So, what are some things that you've done to ensure that you've been making money year after year? Yeah, uh, kudos to Kate there. She and we had probably one of the other biggest things that happened through certain path is we have the VMI now as well. We have the vendor in-house. So Oh, yeah. So having them and some real honest partnerships with vendors and so on saying, hey, we need to know, not that we're going to shop your price, but we need to know anything that has gone up more than 5% in the last quarter or during COVID, maybe more recent than that, yeah. uh, to say, we need to know that so that we can be adjusting our straightforward pricing. Yeah. And Kate can run, say, level one on the heating side is an H101. Well, she can, she can run profitability for any category of any repair. And then she knows which ones need to go up or if a task needs to be moved into a different category or so on. And then it's as simple as running it past me or Kevin and saying, hey, our margin is slipping in igniter repairs. Uh, yeah. Is it okay if I bump that up or bump that level up? And unless there's some reason that we know not to, uh, then we're saying, yeah, go ahead. And she can push it out to their iPads uh, on any any given weekend. So she gets the kudos for the last couple of years. Uh and if you sit in a meeting like this morning and say, hey, we want to have, we may want to take this spit from $100 to $150. I should have known it, but she'd say, well, I ran those numbers for the last three years. And if we would have done that in the last three years, we would be here. Yeah, because this is how many water heaters we did over the last 12 months. This many were leaking, these weren't. Uh, she's just, she digs into it very quickly. So she's on top of it for sure. And it's, so it sounds like your other managers, they all know the numbers too, because they know, hey, oh, they bumped up this price. So, I mean, how did you how did you train technical people in the number? Because that's typically not something you feel like it's an, an obvious transition, right? You go from fixing things to here, let's look yeah. at the business side. So how did you kind of help them with that, that side of the business? That's a very good question. I don't know if I know an honest answer to that. Um, yeah. But our, um, I enjoy that part of the business and... I can remember saying, uh, we need to fill the overhead bucket with these gross margin dollars. And after that's full, once we hit the break, even, you know, gross profit is net profit the rest of the month. And I can remember Rob, uh, say, please don't tell me about the bucket again. <laughs> so, <laughs> the baby was just, oh, so I got sick of it. Yeah, you just bury, you just burned in their brains, man. Oh, that, yes. that's great. So I I will not bring up buckets around any okay. of your team. Yes. So that's fair. <laughs> um, how about you know we talked about what are what are the two or three things that really help? What are a couple of major obstacles that maybe were or setbacks that you've encountered yeah. over the last ten years that you're like, boy, I wish we wouldn't have done that, or that was a big learning lesson. Anything yeah. you kind of share with people? Sure, there was one's obvious. Uh, well, it's obvious now. It wasn't then. And there, there was a fellow that joined, and I'm going to draw a blank on his name, but he was from California, joined the same time I did, uh, always wore a cowboy hat, but um, we took the exact opposite approach. Uh, I 
don't like confrontation by nature. Yeah. So when I joined, I did everything I possibly could, changed all our financials to match um, certain past financial models and anything I could do myself, buy uniforms, reletter the trucks, anything except telling the guys how they had to behave in the hex. Oh, okay. The guy in California, uh, he took the opposite approach and he became profitable much faster than I did because, because I didn't want to confront people on, uh, I mean, we didn't put floor savers on, uh, back then our uniforms didn't match. Yeah. Uh, who knows what hat somebody might've been wearing in somebody's home. Yeah. But eventually I think that was my biggest hurdle is, mm. and some of the other guys came around to help me with that as well. Uh, to say, you know, we've all got to do the, the same thing, the same way. Yeah. Uh, as much as I love individuality, that that's after five o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The customer has to get the same treatment from every, every person all the time. Yeah, that's a good takeaway. Yeah. Anything else that sticks out to you? Boy, that was once we did that, oh, that, you know, we, should, we wish we would have done it sooner. You know, one of those types. Uh, of yeah, this one, uh, we started pretty early on. We started debriefing the technicians when they would leave a house. Yeah. Uh, here's the six or eight things. Did you do this? And then Ethan, I think somewhere along the line, said, this is kind of crazy. Why don't I ask them before they go in the house? <laughs> oh yeah. Instead of when they leave. Remember, and he'll, he does a great job of prepping the people and saying, Hey, you're going to go in, uh, this lady, uh, it's a meticulous house. Be careful about the floors. Uh, the unit's 20 years old, uh, or the unit's pretty new or whatever. He's setting them up for success before they walk in. So that's a big one as well. That's great. Yeah, that's great. What are some things you guys are working on today, you know, that you're having those discussions? You said commission structure was, was a big one, right? That's that's changing a little bit. Yeah. Are there other big, big priorities that need to occur, you know, throughout 23? Yeah. Uh, one that we're working on that just comes to mind because we're working on it before I walked up here is our follow-up process uh, for a job that on replacement, uh, okay. if a replacement didn't sell today, yeah. um, what is our process to make sure that we're not nagging the customer, but, uh, we're making, being as positive as we could, if we're competing against someone else to make sure, sure. that, uh, they end up using us. Have you fixed it yet? Or are you the process uh, of fixing We've got some good ideas and that's the, the bright side of the way the leadership works now. Uh, 20 years ago, if I got distracted talking to you and forgot to come back to it, that's where it laid. Sure. But it'll be brought up to me when I walk downstairs. They'll say, well, here's where we're at on this. What do you think of this idea? Yeah. Uh, but we're thinking of using uh, just within a day or so, using to your success to send a friendly reminder, thanking people for letting us in their home. And then another reminder within a few days, and then one more to say, Hey, your, your quote's just about to expire. Today's the day to act on that. Uh, it's good. So anything like that, just to make sure that we're doing everything we can, to, uh, to make sure we're top of mind. That's great. That's great. 
Uh, just kind of want to wrap up a little bit, Joe. I appreciate all your time because I know it took, like you you implied earlier, you and I had some technical difficulties in getting online. Uh, my fault. I will take ownership on that one because uh, I don't do this a lot at all. Um, so uh, where where do you see where do you see the business in five to ten years? I mean, uh, good uh, question. Yeah, uh, this might be a little too much information, but my I've often said, and I've been saying it publicly lately, so. There was a stage of the game that I was overworked and underpaid, I think. Um, yeah. And that's not the case anymore. But to be honest, my real goal is to go back to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, we won't sell the business. And yeah. the folks that are running it after me, I want to be here and supporting them for not much money. Uh, I would just like to be... I would like to help them because I want to help them, not because yeah. I have to, to make a paycheck. Yeah. And and hopefully they'll have me. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Do you know what that, that transition looks like? Is it in 10 years or do you just kind of see how year by year? Because you seem like you're still enjoying it now. I do. I'm, I'm 57 and, you know, my health holds out. I would love to be working here when I'm 70. Um, now, I... My, the downside is I don't want my kids to be 50 and not have their turn yet. Yeah. So I will let them run it, but anything, uh, my wife says I have a hero complex, but if anybody wants me to, well, good story. My dad, similar, uh, I had asked him if he would go to a trucking depot and pick up a unit that it was just a comedy of errors that. We never got the unit that's supposed to be here today. Now it's not. Now it's not. Well, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And finally, I said, just don't touch it. Leave it in the trucking terminal. We'll come get it. Yeah. And I met my dad at the local diner the next morning at about 6 o'clock. And I said, um, I said, are you headed out to get that unit? He said, well, I couldn't sleep. I figured they were open 24 hours. I'm actually headed home. I've already got it. And I would like that role. Uh, I would like to be the guy that saves the day. You know? Oh, that's yeah. great. That's that's really cool. That's really cool. What uh, when you think about maybe where you were, 2010, 2011, to where you are today in 2023? I mean, when we first talked, none of the, none of the kids were in the business, right? You hoped that maybe that would be available to them and and see that they're all in it now. The business is making money. You've got a great support team, leadership team. You've got great people on the front lines what yeah. what do you what you know what comes to mind when you think about how far you've come in, in that 10 plus years oh wow a lot of gratitude and you know there's a lot of things that you just have no control over in business uh so there's a lot of things that you just you can't take credit for um but i the only reason that i really want to be here 10 or 15 years from now is because I enjoy the people and even our relationships. I don't know a lot of the customers per se, some of the old ones I do, yeah. but our, our vendors, I know very well and I enjoy their company, bankers, whatever. Uh, so I want the relationships and now my brother's older than me, but he got married later than me. So his kids are younger, a good bit younger than mine and his son. Brady has been working here in the summers. Okay. And so I don't know if he'll, you know, make a career of this or do something else, but those things are just fun 
to be around him on a daily yeah. basis. So that's so cool. Yeah, that's very cool. And I, I've got to bring up, um, you know, another part of the reason why we're talking is, is you have been so gracious enough to host a, a profit day meeting, which, uh, people that are not members that are watching, listening is where people learn about the program and if it's right for them and what, why, why, why help us out? Why not say, oh, I'm busy doing this. What, you know, why are you so, so kind to allow us to, to come into your training room and kind of take over for a couple of days to talk to other contractors? Yeah. I would say that our neck of the woods, uh, has always been a little unique in that our competitors of, you know, the reputable companies in the area have always been friendly. And I know, you know, a lot of those guys personally, some have done very well for themselves and others have done a very good job for their customers and their employees. And they could do a lot more for their customers and employees if they had some systems. And sure, I would, I would love to, I would love to see them succeed if I can. That's great. That speaks to your good naturedness again. Uh, all right, Larry, last question. What just what advice might you have for members, non-members in general? Just final advice and on how to 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 enjoy the success that that you've achieved. You know, what are some things that they should keep in mind? Um, uh, good question. That I should have prepped for that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, surround yourself by good people. I mean, early on, and it was probably even before I joined Certain Path. I, I had a habit of taking a piece of paper and I would write Joe in the middle and I would say, I need someone to, and then fill in the blank, uh, that can keep up, can give me good financials by the seventh. I need someone who can make sure the parts are here. And we would just keep checking things off of that list of, yeah. or do the, are those people already here? I just need to give them the freedom to do it. Yeah. Uh, so. Good people make uh, good companies. Yeah, that's absolutely. That's idea. Yeah. And make life work living in the process. Yeah, right. There's that whole other great component of it as well. Mm -hmm. You know, and that just make money. You can you can really enjoy life together. That's neat. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, Joe, thank you so very, very much for so much of your time. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I enjoyed it very much. All right, buddy. Have a great rest of your day. All right. Take care. Thanks. Good. That's Joe Zimmerman, president of Summers and Zims in Ackland, Pennsylvania. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. If so, please like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're on your favorite podcast player, please leave us a five-star review. The two seconds you take to leave a review will help other success-minded contractors like you find us and hopefully get a little bit better, which elevates our entire industry. And please join me for future episodes. This has been The Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath. Support for this podcast comes from CertainPath Software. CertainPath Software is easy to implement in your business, it combines all the tools, systems, and features you need to run a profitable company of any size, from 500,000 up to 200 million. CertainPath software is designed to make every step intuitive, so you and your team can focus on serving customers. Pricing, invoicing, options, materials, job photos, financing options, and more are combined into a single easy-to-use interface. When technology makes the lives of your team easier, you know they'll be focused on what they do best. Discover how certain pass field app streamlines the steps your technicians take on each call. Go to www.mycertainpath.com today to learn more. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the Certain Path family. 
CertainPath builds successful home service businesses and has for 23 years. We do it by providing contractors with a proven path to success, professional coaching, software solutions, and a member community of over 1,000 contractors just like you. Doubling your sales with a 20% net profit and an inspiring company culture is all possible. Let us show you the way. With CertainPath, success is made certain. Visit www.mycertainpath.com for more information.